0: you also have to consider like if you were the type of person who has these interests and stuff like even if you try to pick one thing and hunker down and go after it like it it ain't gonna work like you're you're just gonna be you're you're still gonna be you hey there
1: it's me adam that was jim twos our guest today on the podcast thanks for listening in once again Jim is a comedian, an author, an animator, an all-around good guy, and we have a great conversation about storytelling, telling jokes, animation, and how that all relates to the creative drive that some of us feel and pursue. How are you guys doing? Hey, I bet you're wondering when our next Story Slam is. It's actually coming up on July 13th, Thursday, July 13th at Fête de Marquette, and then Sunday, July 16th at Fête de Marquette. We'll have more information on that at the break. We'll have more stories from our last Story Slam in May coming out on the show soon. So be on the lookout for those. We're just getting them finalized and everything like that. But until then, enjoy this great conversation between Jim Tews and I. And we talk about everything from post-pandemic life to ADHD and being funny and everything in between. I was listening to both your comedy albums today. What's the, I was in Band is your uh-huh. first one, and then Oatmeal is the more recent one. I was listening to Oatmeal, and I thought, you know, it would be really interesting to hear you, because it's, did you record that right before COVID hit?
0: Yep. And it, like, like got released it, right, it was right like, there? It was, like, September, I think it was, my, like, my, bir- the weekend before my birthday, so, like, mid-September of 2019. Yeah.
1: I, I was thinking, it w- I could tell that it was just, just pre-COVID and I was like, it would be interesting to hear this set post-COVID and to see how these three years have impacted your perspective on your own jokes. I just think that, that that would be really cool. What? How do you think, do you think you're more jaded after COVID or or how has it helped your perspective on comedy or or inhibited maybe?
0: In general, like, It didn't, like, jade me or anything like that. It changed my perspective on it just because, like, I was really pushing hard to get up as much as I could and get as much work as I could because I was doing comedy full time. Right. Before I did that, like, leading up to that. And then I did it. And it was like, you know, usually you just... When you're booking stand-up stuff, you just keep booking. You don't go like, well, I'm filming a special this week, so the following two weeks I'm going to take off. Right, right, right. You're like, well, that week after you film or you know record an album is no different than the week before it, um, which is honestly a terrible idea. I think I did take like a week or two off and then jump back in, but I was like, after that I was like, oh, man, I really – I really could use a break. There's, it's like a weird, like postpartum kind right, of thing.
1: Totally, I get that. So I put we put on a monthly show, uh, or at least pre-pandemic we did. We just in May we had our first show back post-pandemic, and every month that I put on a show, it's a three-hour show, and I for the next week am just exactly what you're talking about. That like I, I call it like a hangover, an emotional hangover. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: for sure. So I I had that. And then was just kind of, like, trying to, to, you know, ramp back up a little bit. And then the pandemic hit. And then I was like, well, I guess I'm getting a break (laughs) that I didn't, that I said I wanted. But now that I'm getting it, I don't want it. But that, that like, it was, like, a really weird time. Because also, like... You don't say. (laughs) No, I mean, like, I don't don't mean during the pandemic. Like, yeah, during the pandemic, but, like, right before it, Mm. because I was, like, you know, trying to keep that momentum going. And I it was, like, hit or miss, work-wise, at the beginning of that year, I remember. And then, the like, COVID started to become more of a thing. And then it was, like, all of a sudden... (laughs) I'm I'm sorry, I
1: love how casual that sounds. (laughs) COVID started to become more of a
0: thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you, I mean, you remember it. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. People were, like, whatever. And then, like... I was on the, on, on the, the bus. I was, I had, a I had lost like, like two months of dates. Like people started canceling stuff. So I had like, you know, like kind of like anchor dates that were coming up there. I'm like, okay, well that, this is enough money to cover me for this long and this one will be good. And then I'm like, I remember I'm at the cellar with Shane Torres and I was like bitching about it about losing this work and he's like oh i think kane needs somebody in like two weeks do you want to do these dates i'm like yeah sure and he hooked me up so i went on the road with kyle for like two dates in new york and connecticut and like while we're doing that we're like do you think this is like a thing like (laughs) and we're kind of like just like you know there's hand they started putting out hand sanitizer and right like and then were there there
1: masks in the crowd already at that point
0: no no masks yet okay Okay. but like that, I remember that Saturday morning. I was getting the bus back to New York City, and Canane was going to Canada. And I come and I meet him in the hotel lobby, and he's like, "All my gigs are canceled." <laughs> he's like, "I'm still going to Canada, but nobody's gonna be there." <laughs> and like, I, and then it starts like, it starts kind of getting pieced together. And then I I get on a Greyhound bus from upstate New York and take like a five hour hacked to the gills right. greyhound ride Oof. while I'm listening to like all this news about <laughs> the, <dooming them> canceling <laughs> the NBA and, and I'm just like man I don't know what this is but it is not gonna be good yeah and uh then I enjoyed the break and it gave me a chance to figure out what how I wanted to do things and what I liked about doing this and when people started doing shows outside I was kind of like well I don't want to do that <laughs>
1: I um, had the same feeling I've, like <laughs> I do some outside shows in the summer. I'm doing a few this summer and it's just not as it's so much more work and it doesn't feel as special, you know?
0: No. And I don't, I, I get that people like doing them and people like watching them. So it was never anything where I'm like, don't do shows outside yeah. people. It's like, if you enjoy that and that's, you like how that goes, then that's great, but I just knew like, you know, and then that that was my opportunities. Those were my opportunities to do stand-up, was to be outside and I didn't chase after it, so then I'm like, I'm just taking a break for a while and I'll keep writing and figure out what's going on here, and that definitely changed my perspective on stand-up. And then coming out of the pandemic, I well, I mean, during it, I started doing a bunch of animation and really like it was a thing I'd loved doing before, but never had the time to like sit down at my desk and mm, right. really do it. Right. And during the pandemic, so, suddenly, I had so, the time. Suddenly, everybody uh, had a, a mountain of
1: time to do those things. I'd like,
0: yeah, I wish I had the time to do this. Yeah. <laughs> they had to put and, their money
1: where their mouth was.
0: Yep. And then uh, I started getting all this like freelance work doing it. So That's it was cool. like, Okay, let's explore this for a while. Like, and see where it. Have you kind of always been one of those guys who is just generally
1: creative? Like, I know you have a military background. I know you're from yeah. Philly, but like, you're just one of those guys who's like, oh, I'd like to try this creative thing. And, and then every now and then, like, I, I, I'm one of those guys who. I like to dip my hands into different things, and if it's something that I'm naturally good at, I'll chase that for a while until the next naturally good at. It's called ADHD, is what I'm learning. Oh, I was—I was just going to say, yeah. You mean
0: you have ADHD? Uh-huh. <laughs> I actually—I
1: actually, I actually uh, learned in the last twelve months that I'm more than likely uh, autistic. And uh, oh, cool. <laughs> le- yeah, learning that information—that uh, that I'm likely autistic and definitely ADHD has like radically. Uh, it's, it's done two things. Like there's two big emotions that you have. You're like, oh my gosh, I, I know myself now and I can like, look how far I've gotten without knowing myself. And now look where I can go now that I know. But the other big emotion is if I'd only known things would be so different, you know, if I'd
0: only known that I
1: needed support in high school and in, you know, through all this stuff, it's very interesting. It's, it's, but it's fun, you know, it's all part of life.
0: Yeah. I've been working on a bit about this because I had never... I knew I had issues with it, but never addressed it on stage. And, you know, I mean, you could I had would have friends tell me like that I was, you know, it's like, oh, that was kind of like the running joke or like I I would try to do, you know, my brain skips all over the place when I'm doing stand up. But stand up is kind of one of the things that can focus. Focus, Yeah, I'd get that to 100 percent. But I didn't I got diagnosed with it. When I was in college, hmm. I I went to college after the military, so I'm already like a twenty seven year old senior. Right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm get and I at the their the school psychiatrist, and they're like, "You have ADD," and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm a twenty seven year old college student. Uh, I'm pretty sure I knew something was up." Did you so
1: as like a creative person? One of the feelings I always had growing up was, "I've got to find." my second half i got to find my creative partner who will fill in the gaps that i don't have i didn't, I, ne- I had no clue that i might be adhd i just like no parent no teacher ever suspected it um, yeah. And and I just I thought I was searching for my second. It turns out my second half is just maybe some riddling, you know, or, or whatever. Yeah. Whatever you, medication. Mean like,
0: uh, you mean like as in you know, a like a life partner kind of situation? No.
1: Like to be- oh, I mean, almost. But I I meant like I needed a creative partner. Who could come in and be like, yeah. The, oh, what, well, you're what, working what, on stuff. Right. Like, what I get out of this is being the business guy. Because, like, I don't give a shit about that. So I just want to create. Yeah. I want to be on stage. I want to come up with grand ideas and make them happen. And I want somebody else to worry about all of the intricate things that have to be taken care of as a business.
0: I've definitely had that feeling. And my wife is my manager, Oh, nice. And she was a manager when we met and started dating. So yeah. it was like, there was some of that where I was like, oh, okay, well, you can...
1: <laughs> it is nice, You right? can do that part of it. My wife on it's our... probably s-
0: good. Our second date... By the way, really quick, listeners,
1: thanks for listening. Uh, I'm speaking with Jim Twos. Jim, you can go check him out at Jim com. It's T-E-W-S, Jim com. He's a comedian. He's an animator. He's a cat blogger or was at one time a cat blogger. You can check <laughs> out his book, Felines of New York. It's a New York Times bestseller. Uh, have you ever thought about doing a follow up call, called uh, Felons of New York? I th- I like <laughs> <laughs> I haven't actually I haven't thought of that one. I heard I heard you say that you kind of stopped doing felines of New York because it was so much work to like go around and find all these cats to photograph. I was like, I wonder what would be harder, finding cats or finding felons in in New York to, to <laughs> photograph. But yeah, go check him out. He's an animator, comedian. Uh, what else? I feel like you you've done so much. You were uh you're you're a co- musician too. Oh, what do you do
0: music wise? I didn't know that. I mean, I play right now. I just play for fun with friends. But we did um a couple years ago, we did a thing called the undone sweaters and it was a web series about a, a Weezer tribute band. I love it. But then and it was all with other comedians that are friends of mine and our, and, uh, Andrew short and Reed failure who do a, a podcast now, uh, called the story must be told, which is very funny. But, uh, and then our bassist was Danny Tamborelli from Pete and oh, Pete. Oh really? That's dope. And, uh, we started it as a goof web series. We were just like, you know, let's make some sketchy stuff and whatever. And then we learned the music to get better at it in the show. For the show, but yeah. then we we're like, oh wow, we we can play the whole Blue album now. That would be so And then so we started cool. playing live shows. How long have you been playing music? Since I was in like sixth grade, probably. You're
1: a church kid. You know what's interesting. I listened to oatmeal first and I don't think that you talk about church stuff at all, but there was something, Mm -hmm. there's something, how, how much of a church kid
0: were you and what kind of church? I have to say that was a, it was a very scattered thing because, but so my parents were split, were split when I was like three and they, they had shared custody, but it was like week to week. So it was like, you know, one Sunday I'm with my mom, who for the majority of my childhood went to a Mennonite church. Wow. But it was not like hardcore. There were hardcore Mennonite people in the church, but we weren't. What? No nobody in my family was part of it. I I don't even know how we ended up in that in this church. Yeah. Honestly. When I was a little kid, we went to like Lutheran churches and stuff. But this church that my mom went to, she was more active in the church. And then my my dad went to a Lutheran church and wasn't active until like I was in like middle school, high school. So it was always like depended how active the parent was at the time is how involved I was. But <laughs> right. I was mostly doing stuff with the Mennonite church. And then I had friends who were in like the event, the, the right um, like you went church. to youth group. You, yeah, right. that's where most, uh, well, a lot of my youth group stuff came from the Mennonite church, but, and also the, um, my friend's church. Right. So I had this like weird.
1: Right. You kind of got a, a little bit of mattering.
0: A, right. So I'm a pastor's
1: kid. Uh, my, oh, da- wow. my dad was a pastor for most of my life. Uh, my, my My grandfather was the pastor of the biggest church in Madison for 35 years. And so it was oh. a big part of my life. And the reason I I bring it up is because there's something, there's always something about people that have church influence in their past. I can tell, like when, if they're performing (laughs) on stage, there's just, I don't know if it's a tone, a timbre in their voice, something, there's a cadence, I think maybe, you know, where it's just like, oh, this guy, his first taste of really being creative in front of an audience, even if it's just friends at youth group or whatever, was church, (laughs)
0: yeah i i I played music and that was like my the first you know how do you think that influences you as a creative person whether it be comedy animation whatever um you mean my just my my faith in general or my experience with um
1: so like uh, that's an interesting question too i wasn't even thinking about the faith part i I don't really care about faith anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I have, I'm kind of the same way. I, I consider myself a hopeful agnostic. I I don't really care anymore. Term. Yeah, I don't really care anymore if there's a God. I hope there is, because it just seems like such a waste if it's all by chance. Um, yeah. But, uh, but also at the same time, like, who cares? But no, I mean more... There is a very specific type of creativity that is allowed at church, and I often find for myself that I have to try and shake that off when I'm doing a project, whether it be a podcast or on stage in front of people, whatever. I still, as a 35 year old man, I I feel like I have to go. I, there's no pastor going. Well, you can't be that kind of creative. You
0: know, I I'm in charge. Yeah, here. Do, do that's you... an interesting observation because I I definitely have this like thing where I'm I'm one of those people where I'm like. I, am I a clean or a dirty comedian? I think like that's I, what it was. I
1: think <laughs> what I was hearing, like, I think on some of your jokes, what I would go is like, oh, he wanted to go harder there. He he wanted to cross more of a line than he thought was appropriate. And maybe that's what I hear sometimes from people that goes, you're a church person. You were a church
0: person. Yeah, yeah, that's probably right. Because sure. there's always that voice in my head. Well, I'll tell you, there's financial motivation right. in some of the stuff because, you know, like satellite radio is more likely to play your stuff that's clean and that's remake royalties. And then if you do like corporates and all that stuff for TV sets, right? Where you know, um, so I always would try to be like, if I can make a clean version of this joke work, I know I can always go dirtier or darker, but there was definitely always that thing where I'm like, you know, my parents are like fairly supportive of my comedy stuff. Like they still think it's cool that I do it, I guess, but there's always part of me that's like, if either of my parents were in the audience right now, would I be able to defend how I feel about this or what I said? If they, and they, for the most part, they've never called me out on anything like that. But
1: do you, do you say stuff? I don't remember. Do you stay, say stuff about like your childhood and about your parents that would like, yeah, from time to time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But it's also this weird thing where I'm like, you know, wanting to make a a broader range of people laugh or finding the more universal truth. Like the thing that you don't have to be an adult to a full on like Hmm. jaded adult to understand and find funny. Yeah. But there's definitely a, an inner sensor that was probably planted. (laughs) Definitely programmed in in the church. Yeah. In the church. The parent thing is
1: interesting. I'm going through something kind of similar. So um. The so right when I quit my job last year, we also moved to Steamboat Springs, Colorado. The day I quit my job, my wife uh, basically got hired as a nanny on the spot for a wealthy family out there. And uh, within two weeks, my mom drank herself to death. I'd never had like oh an adu- yeah. I'd never had an adult relationship with my mom. She was she was that okay. person for much of my life. Um. And so in my creative work, what I'm not a stand-up comedian. I've I've recently come up with. I am a comic performer, a comedic performer. And so when I'm on stage performing, I've got no problem talking about as much fucked up shit about my mom as I want. She, she's not going to say anything to me now, right? Like, um, yeah. And honestly, I've never shied away from it because she wasn't in my life anyway. Um, my dad, however, we have recently found a lot of tension in our relationship. It turns out when, you, <laughs> when one parent, whether or not they're in your life or not, drinks themselves to death, um, you kind of go through your entire life and unpack a lot of shit and... I really, I find myself really wanting to talk about it on stage because it's where I'm sure, as you know, it's where I find the most truth and where I find that weird catharsis that we as creative performers get in front of an audience. Sure. But he's living, and which I'm thankful for. Uh, but it's like I don't want to. I need to get over this that weird censor of like I don't want to hurt my parent. You know, I don't want to cross yeah. a line. I'm 35. I, you know, it's got to be for me at this point. <laughs>
0: Well, I, I, I was, I had this bit about, um, my parents getting like a little, a little uh, Fox news defied. Oh yeah. And I was always like, I need to, if I, first of all, I have to kind of address it with them as their son to their face in a conversation. Mm. And then I can go on and joke about it. and,
1: And do you address it to them first seriously or under the, oh, yeah, the pretense of, Hey, I am addressing this because I'm going to talk about it.
0: No, i it's stuff because it comes up in regular life. Right, so it's right. like, if I'm not, I don't want to be that thing where I'm, it, it's a thing I'm willing to talk about to strangers, but not to the people involved. I feel like I at least owe yeah, them that. I totally get that. Um, Cause it would be very easy to just do it the other way around and see what happens. But I had, I was talking to, um, his name's AJ Hol, AJ Holmes he's a musician and he does uh he I did a show with him in New York and we were talking about this stuff backstage and he he said that he was always told um right right like your parents are dead <laughs> and I'm, I, mean... I was just like that's a really harsh way to put it but I think I, mean, I guess yeah,
1: that's a that's a great way to put it though. And I think that is what I'm trying to come to terms with is I had this thought last year is that so I'm you know, I just told you we had our first child in, in January. I'm a new dad and and I just lost my mom, you know, like three months before my wife got pregnant is when my mom died. And so it just it just makes you think about life and death and becoming a parent. And the overwhelming thought I had is that as a parent, you should always remember that it is your children who will tell your story, and that should both terrify you and keep you in line and sh- make you strive to be the best parent you can be. And I like, I like that that idea of you should always write like your parents are dead because it's really just saying your truth is yours, and if you're not giving that out, then you know what's the point? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I'm still, I'm. It's it's like a thing. I'm still battling with um as i keep working on that specific joke cuz i'm like i have it was i haven't been posting a whole lot to social media stuff but there was a a while where i had a nice run of clips going and i would i know my mom will end up seeing if it's on facebook right. so that's <laughs> right. the last one it goes to she's not on tiktok so that's the first one do you put it on if you put it on reels it goes to facebook anyway yeah right right or I can I can have a thing where I can set it so right. it doesn't right right but yeah I'm like I put the joke about my parents and their internet habits on TikTok <laughs> and it it did really well and I was like oh, shit <laughs> <laughs> Well, now I gotta then you like got, you got your parents friends who are on TikTok and and find it and send it to them if that happens it's fine it's like I said it's one of those things where I'm like just do it. And I, my parents have always said like, j- you can say what you need to say, but, uh, I, I personally, uh, I, I have to be willing to talk to them about why I'm telling this joke or like what the root frustration is. Interesting. And I, I have, um, and it didn't go that well,
1: but <laughs> <laughs> I find, I find at, at a certain age, it seems like most parents are like, I don't, I, i no just. This is who I am. This
0: is how things are. Let's just. Yeah, I think that's what I'm coming to find. Yeah, yeah. Where I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh. So you don't, you don't give a shit. Right. Okay. Right. right. Uh, all right. I mean. Yeah. My my you dad. That, I guess.
1: My dad started working for his. So my dad, you know, was a pastor, but um, mm-hmm. was a pastor my entire life who encouraged me to try LSD. He would he would always say, I think it, you know it was really beneficial Whoa. for me. I think it would be. I think it's beneficial for anybody whose mind can handle it, and it would open you up and and, and blah, blah blah. And he would always say, if you do want to try it, I will. I will buy it for you. I'll, I'll be your sitter and all whatever. So I had a very cool liberal pastor dad. Um, and then uh, my parents got divorced because because of, of a lot of things. But uh, and then he quit being a pastor and started working for his cousin, and who's a who's a race car driver. So uh, very right wing kind of GOP guy, and it very much. It has changed my dad enough that it's like, oh, like this is not my hang up with him. So it's weird to talk about. But you're not you're not this chill, you're not the dude. You're not the big Lebowski anymore. Like yeah. what's going on? You're suddenly like, uh, masks. He was he was very anti-mask. That was hard. I think that's hard for a lot of people. A lot of people yeah. learned about that kind of thing through that. Um, let's shift. I want to talk to you um really about jokes and storytelling. I remember very specifically uh being at a youth convention, a church youth convention, and realizing that the reason that every pastor at these conventions has a great illustration, a great story to go with their sermon is because they're all liars. <laughs> like every every <laughs> yeah. sermon every sermon illustration I've ever heard is like I met a man and this happened to us and and i just remember realizing oh it's just much more impactful for you to take something that may be slightly true and just make it fit into what you're actually trying to say it's not really yeah. lying it's bending the truth and adding or subtracting for the for a higher purpose for for the lord's calling and it was that same convention that i was i was like oh that's what comedians do like they present it as if this is a thing that happened to them, and maybe sometimes it is, but it's really just a scenario that is more impactful to present it as it happened. But I'm curious, how much of that is made up for you? How much of it is an actual micro story, which is part of a larger story, that you then just go, okay, well, I can tell this much of it and then come up with you know, a little punchline or whatever to make it land?
0: I'm very curious. For me, I always... like. For stand-up, I always like the stuff that feels like true. Mm -hmm. It's like if you're writing a script or something then it's like, you know, they do that like, uh, they call it the plausible impossible where you find the funniest thing that probably could happen. right? But, you know, maybe didn't. And for me personally, in my stand-up I like to stick to the truth as closely as possible because if I'm If I'm, I'm trying to think of a specific bit where I'm like, yeah, that's not quite how it was. Right. Well, Um, I, I,
1: the reason I ask about it is because, you know, I do long form storytelling. That's kind of my bread and butter. But as the MC, as the host of the event, I also get up in between everybody and kind of like my job is, I kind of think of it as like a crowd work comic, but, but to poke jabs at the people who told the story and, and to get some more laughs from the crowd with content from the story sort, But I'm more used to, like, my bread and butter is that long form. So I have all of this space to explore. And it seems like to do that, to stick so close to the truth in these one to two minute, you know, bits, like, every time I think of trying to do that, I go, well, I don't have an interesting enough life to have that many tiny little stories to then work into bits. Like, that seems overwhelming to me. How, like... so walk me through that you want to stick close to the truth but like
0: do you lead an exciting life to be to always have the truth be good i i just had this like bummer conversation with another comic friend of mine where i was just like nothing funny happens to me anymore (laughs) i'm like is that the case because now i'm just like 41 and i just don't i don't like seek out adventure anymore or is it My perception of things and the situations I, you know, like I feel like, you know, it's not always like it. The the comedians are good at taking a lot of things that are very boring and everyday and making it feel like it is an event worth the story. And as far as like, when you're doing like a story and you're exploring in a in a broader thing, or like you know where the end is, and you're t- you're going in these different directions as you move along, for stand-up, that's typically how I start something. It's like here's the idea, the thing that happened, the thing I'm thinking about, and I'll go up somewhere that's where, like a low risk show, and try and find every beat in that helps between me it so much. That helps and me after jo- it. And then, but then, because I want it, to, you know, when it's stand-up, you want it to be, like, so, a little more impactful. So you'll then go you just, to,
1: like, a low-risk show to more or less do a post-mortem on the event that happened, looking for the
0: micro part of that event
1: that will yeah. work on stage.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, like, as you're talking it out and finding the different beats, you go, like, oh, that I didn't say that before and it worked. So that's now added to the permanent that that beat is that that scene is, you know, or that shot, if you want to make it like film references is now added to the scene. And then you go, well, I've tried this shot three, three times and it never works. Yeah. So it's not worth, you know, and then you see how I like to see how long I can make a bit work and still have it pay off as much as possible at the end but, but you know the reality is with stand-up is just it usually just gets shorter and shorter right. if you're being there, a good there's a editor
1: there's a few there's a few guys out there a few people out there I should say who it seems like oh like this entire hour is just is just an entire arc to get to your callback at the very end to your very first joke and there's some people out there who are just masterful at that where it seems like it's just one big hour-long joke. Uh, that explored things, but you're right. I, there is a lot more. I feel like of, and I, I'm this is I'm not talking shade at all. But there is a lot more jumping around than there is like treating the entire thing like a story. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe there are some yeah. comics who go, okay, this hour long set is because I want to express this. Maybe story is the wrong word, but express this thing. And then you it's like the
0: thesis, kind of
1: right. And then you that's a great, yeah, a thesis. Wow, that maybe that's a better way to think of. So, part well, of, part of the, the process of what I'm doing here is these conversations is we have a lot of storytellers who listen, <clears throat> and I just I'm trying to become a better storyteller myself. And so maybe that's a good way to think of as stories. What's the thesis behind the story? Like, why are you telling this story? You were about to say something. Sorry. Have you been working hard to become a better storyteller and you find yourself looking for a stage to showcase all of the work that you've put in to shine up this talent of yours? Great news. Uh, This year at Fête de Marquette, you can come and perform on stage at the cabaret stage on two different nights. If you come Thursday night and win, there are two beer passes for the rest of the festival up for grabs for the two best storytellers. And then on Sunday evening, July 16th at Fete de Marquette, there is one beer pass up for grabs for the best storyteller, and that beer pass will be for Fete next year. So if you want to tell a story, check the show notes today for more information.
0: There are, you know, there's a lot of comics that I feel like like UK comedy and the their format for longer shows, you know, like Edinburgh fringe type stuff. Yeah. They're a little more like theme oriented. Um, whereas American comedy, we do a lot of showcase club type stuff. And now, I mean, everything's like a minute long on the internet. Right. Yeah. Um, Whoa. So it's kind of not, it, it's not to, to the young comics greatest benefit to be like, I did a whole hour on uh, my relationship with my mother. (laughs) It's like, well, that doesn't help you. Like, nobody's going to watch your hour one minute at a time on TikTok. But, you know, like Nathan Mac, do you know Nathan Macintosh is? Mm -mm. It's a really funny New York comic. He's from Canada originally, but he's been here. I don't know how long. But his last two, his last special that he released was just about money. The whole thing was about money. Right. And then the next one he's working on is all about, like, technology.
1: But there's so many and, different, I mean, there's so many different lanes and avenues to go down. Yeah, that's a lanes. broader topic, right, yeah. right?
0: But, you know, still somebody even taking that, even narrowing it down yeah. on any level instead of this, instead of it just being like, this is an hour of jokes that I figured out a way to stitch together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I like that. I mean, I need that kind of structure and aim, something to aim for. So I like to, you know, even if I'm not saying it out loud, I'm like, well, these three jokes that have been working really well are about kind of the same thing. So then let me build out and try and keep that that idea in mind.
1: See, I think that's where like the not quite the truth comes in. Like, I I like one of your bits from, it's the picture day bit from, Mm -hmm. I'm in a band, or I was in band. And you said, the great line for me in that bit is, I guess my parents' divorce is everybody's problem now. And I I thought if he had earlier said, if he had made up an encounter with a classmate about, and he, you know, something about the kid said, well, your parents, that's (laughs) that's your problem. really good idea. And, And I was like, if he, so it's things like that where it's like, oh, that's not quite true to what actually happened but it's true to the spirit of this story. For for storytellers, you know, we focus on stories and I get asked all the time what makes a good story and oftentimes my answer is it's what you choose not to say. It's what you allow the audience, the the listener to come up with in their head. But I wonder if maybe with stand up it's a little bit different. It is more about what you what you do directly say and that's counter to what the i guess that is you the the whole idea uh, idea of comedy is to sub- subject the expected
0: yeah so uh, subvert the subvert, expected yeah yeah there you go yeah, yeah subvert it's one of those things too like the you know i'll say where i where i massage the truth mm-hmm. is like the picture day bit for example i say that my mom's week was second grade and she put me in a tuxedo. Right. My mom did put did me in that a tuxedo.
1: Happen?
0: <laughs> for, yeah, she did put me in a tuxedo for picture day, but it wasn't second grade. Right. It was like, it was actually earlier than that. It was like kindergarten, I think. Right. But it's like. So it didn't follow like,
1: the year that, that was the sweatpants and whatever. Yeah,
0: it's like, you know, details like that, that to me, I want to give i know what the funniest most necessary parts of that joke are i don't want the listener having to do any math or like think about oh you are adhd for sure (laughs) yeah (laughs) or to be like or or anything you know because like when i watch movies and stuff i'm always just like well that didn't make any fucking sense oh yes like (laughs) (laughs) my wife
1: hates watching movies with me
0: yeah (laughs) i'm like I'm like, well, like, well, this better pay off, right? Uh, but you know, I don't want when I'm doing stuff, I don't want not dumbing anything down, but right. just not giving out any more information than is necessary for the funniest Here, parts of the joke to work. Here's a great way to think of it for me. You know, bread is great. You
1: know, you go buy a, a loaf of sourdough bread; it's awesome. But there's a there's a reason that most people, when they're buying bread, they buy the stuff that's already sliced. You're just slicing the bread for the audience. You're, you're just making it more convenient yeah. for them to get it into their system. And and that that bit in particular, it's it's funny. It's still funny if you start with, yeah, you know, my mom dressed me up in a tuxedo from one of my early school day pictures, and then you can go into the sloppy. But it is much funnier to to let the audience think that your mom is compensating for the, the year of messy... Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, I, I get it. And, and you're right, maybe massaging the truth is the is the right uh, right way to look at it. So I'm learning as somebody who's ADHD, autistic, neurodivergent is, I guess, the word that people use these days, that, uh, like, truth is very important to me. It's like, I'm, I hate <laughs> lying. I, I just... And so staying yeah. as close I, to the I truth... Didn't, yeah,
0: I didn't even realize that was a thing until, like... <laughs> like recently, right,
1: right, and and uh, that is something that very much has shaped my willingness to to do that, to massage and bend the truth. I, you know, my best stories are all things that absolutely happen. The 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 yeah, the closest to massaging the truth that I do is omit things. I just. I Some things are just much funnier if you allow the person... Like, I have a story about being hit by a semi-truck, and it's very quick, it's very short. The way that I tell it makes you think that I was standing in the middle of a freeway and just got fucking, you know, ran over by a semi-truck. But that's just because that that's how the audience interprets it. There's a, you know, there's a way to tell stories. I think it's much funnier or, or more imp- impactful sometimes to omit something. But I do... I, I'm trying to get better, and we're booked to put on an event for... Uh, Madison it's called and doing this this podcast and this live show that I've done we've done it since 2013 and the podcast started in 2014 I've rubbed elbows with stand-up comics I you know I'm I'm sort of on the fringes of, of the local scene here but not quite you know but every single one of them has been like you gotta you gotta get on stage like enough with just being the story guy like come hang out Let, let's get you on stage and I think I'm gonna use this as my opportunity to be like okay I'm going to do more than just poke fun at stories in between stories. Like I'm going to, I think I'm actually going to try and do like a, a set, uh,
0: but it's still got to be in between. It's, it's going to be really complicated, but. I'm, I'm Well, I mean the other the a way to look at this is in like to frame it for in an, in an ADD friendly way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've always, because I've had an interest in so many different uh, mediums, I guess. I'm always like, Well, a lot of times the idea or the story is the story. Hmm. And then there's 10 different ways you can get that story out. Yeah. You can do it in a story slam situation. You want to tell long form. You could write it out as a short story. You could make it a comic strip, get whatever. So if you have the story that you, you know, a story that you talk about getting hit by a semi and you want to try stand up, you, see how you take that story and what makes it fit into the other medium and then that i feel like helps also helps you find out what's what the strong what the real beats of right. the story or the you know the joke uh, uh, let's explore is.
1: beats for a second to somebody if somebody's not like a performer like that who's not i i know exactly what you mean about finding the beats but how do you explain that to somebody who's looking to do that? Like, what is the feeling? You know, like I, I can't, I can't describe it more than just being like, well, you know, you feel it when you feel it. You know that, you know, it's it's a gut thing. But what is that actual feeling of like? Oh, there's the beat for sure. There's the beat. Is it just audience reaction? Is it a combination of gut
0: and audience? Uh, I would say gut and audience. And the the thing that I always kind of see it is like. Or the thing that makes me sense it is like when you're telling a story to an audience or even in conversation and you get that feeling where you're like, I'm, I have like mouth diarrhea right now and I need to get to the point, whatever point you're trying to get to is one of the beats or whatever. So it's like the beats are the things that make sure the audience or the reader or the viewer is continually paying attention or it's, you know, in a uh, also in a story sense, it could be you know just the next turn, the next conclusion, the next event that shifts the the narrative yeah. or whatever. Like in a joke, it's like I'm working on this joke now about uh, but the the Facebook Buy nothing group in my neighborhood, and there's a it leads to a, a story about me getting rid of a set of knives, but in there I want to make fun of the facebook buy nothing group right so i see how many how long i can just like kind of riff on what's there until i get to the next story beat and then how many jokes i can put in until i get but but as i'm like riffing you know on stage i can feel like when the, the next turn needs to come like right you know you yeah, maybe so that's for what me, I'm trying Yeah, to... it's definitely gut. But the gut thing is developed because of how many times I've seen an audience just lose interest. It's
1: it's it's really interesting, though, isn't it? Because I I get your your hesitation and kind of going back and forth between is it gut, is it audience, and is it both? Because you're right, like so, like as a performer who goes on stage a lot, you get to a point where you you can read an audience without having to actually even look at the audience. Um and that feels more like gut, but it is gut that's very much
0: influenced by the audience. Yeah, it's it's like it's kind of a trained response, or just an experience, um, refined response. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. The the
1: you know I'm thinking obviously beat. You think of music and finding the beat, the rhythm of of the story. You're you're right. Even even in conversation, everybody. I think that perspective helped me be able to tell it to to other people what you're looking for. Everybody in conversation knows when a conversation is going well. They know when the things they're trying to communicate are landing. Maybe that's a good way to think of it too is is uh beats are where you can land and and you know it's um you know the foundation of of that spot where you're going to land in this joke or in the story that it's good. It's 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 a nice place to to rest for a second and then go wander again and hopefully land in the next beat. Yeah. We tell, we tell people a lot at the start of our event that not every story needs to be a magnum opus. And if you find yourself on stage in the middle of the story feeling like the audience isn't... It, that it's not landing the, with the audience the way that it does for you, that it's not... You know, because we we have people telling these true stories, and we run the gamut from being very funny to being very serious and everything. Um, and so, I I just tell storytellers, not everybody had this personal experience, so it's it's just not going to be as big of a thing for them as it is for you. So the last thing you want to do is keep piling on and keep keep going and going, hoping that it finally lands. If you feel like something's not landing, the best thing for you to do is to do a soft emergency landing and move on. <laughs> yeah. What's that like for a comic? You know, for a comic, we call that bombing. Um, how how do you do a soft emergency landing when you're bombing and then move on? That that I think that is the thing that terrifies me most and probably everybody who thinks about doing stand-up, right?
0: You just start making fun of a guy in the audience. <laughs> yeah, hey, look at this guy.
1: Look that's, this fucking idiot. that's where you hope somebody
0: heckles you, right? uh no i like at this point in my career i'm like if if i'm doing the bit in a situation where there is some risk involved or somebody's paying me and it's there's some expectation i'm like i have tried to like boost my confidence in it as the story as i'm getting to the end of it because i'm like i have decided that this is where the story is going this is what it is you're along for the ride I've at least given you enough at some point to make you laugh. There's trust, some trust there. We're gonna get to the end of this. (laughs) And then we get to the end of it. And then you know what? If it didn't go that great throughout, the next one will be fine. And you just keep going. I like of course I do things where I'm like, oh, that didn't go well. Or you know, like I'll do you think that's
1: beneficial or not? Because I do the same thing and i'm it, always like oh should i said that or not
0: it can be it, it because sometimes if you're being too inauthentic and then the audience is feeling that they want you to show that level of vulnerability right
1: you um, know but, but i also... go back to like thinking of it as a musician every time i've screwed up as a musician I get off stage and go, Oh my gosh, that was the worst. Cause I did this and everybody goes, well, you didn't even notice. So then I wonder, yeah. is is it, is there some of that too in the audience at a comedy show? Is, is it, or is it, yeah,
0: that's, that's where the, uh, just leaning into your confidence comes from. Cause it's like, if you're playing a song, the song is the song you're starting right. it at the beginning and you're getting all the way through it to the end. So if you look at a joke or a story the same way, then it's like, well, if you just, if you don't show that you, loved a line or whatever or, you know it's the thing is the thing is just when people get like two in their heads about it and it's kind of like you don't have to do that like do you think it's more relaxed than people make it out to be uh stand-up in
1: general yeah but you know spoken word performance whether it be storytelling yeah. stand-up whatever yeah i
0: think i think it is and i think because first of all the audience m- most audiences uh don't want to see you blow it like it's <laughs> uncomfortable to watch. It is it's and everybody knows that they so when you're doing it man that's so nice to hear
1: like i you're so right i'm sorry for interrupting you but you're so right i just never thought that honestly the scariest part of trying stand up is like feeling like nobody wants is gonna think i'm funny but nobody there wants you to fail
0: yeah there of course there's going to be people in the audience that are like you know ah, look at yeah, that. here we right, go yeah but it's like that's not most of them that's most of them pride, are just, yeah yeah most of them are just out for a night and they want they don't want to feel uncomfortable on your behalf yeah yeah everybody knows that secondhand
1: embarrassment
0: and nobody paid money to come experience it right right yeah and there's i've definitely done shows where it was like i feel like these people are rooting for me to fail but those are
1: (laughs) those are usually things where like i've had that happen and it's i can usually pinpoint something that i said or did that was like oh okay That's my
0: bad. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's just a weird setup or, you know. Right. There's a lot of reasons, but those are not, those are the, not the norm. Yeah.
1: Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about animation real quick. So I know that you've done a lot of freelance animation. That's kind of how you uh, got through the pandemic, you were saying. Mm -hmm. And now you're doing editing. The editing, are you doing, are you actually animating at all? Or are you just purely editing the show? I'm
0: doing um, animatic editing, which is like, I take the storyboards and cut them together to kind of like show the episode, you know, along with the audio tracks that the composers and VO provides and stuff like that. So it's just like a job in the animation pipeline. That's cool. Yeah. It was just, it was like, and it, you know, it's, an, it's another like storytelling kind of job. Like I'm you're... glad to hear
1: you say that because I was going to say, wh- how do you feel about it in the, the type of storytelling that it is is so different than getting on stage with a microphone and kind of opening your chest up and be like, here, and I, here I am. But it still is very much a form of storytelling. Do you think one influences the other for you? And I don't just mean your current job, I mean the way, you know, all of the animation that you've done. Does does one influence the other more more so or is it kind of an equal balance? I wouldn't
0: well, I wouldn't say influence as much as just like uh cont, you know, uh keeping your skills, finding new ways to like sharpen your skills. So it's like with editing, I'm not these story these things are already written the drawings are already chosen. I'm just like tweaking timing and laying things out, but I'm still watching an episode and it's a kid's show. So the narrative is like so simple, right? But then even there, it's like, well, here's the, here's a version of a story that a three-year-old can understand. (laughs) And if, if you can get a lock on that, that the foundation there still applies to like the the most complex narrative ever it's like there's a character they have a objective something gets in their way they overcome it you know yeah you know
1: it's it's really interesting the um the very simple bare bones idea of what a what a joke or even a really a story or even a joke is is there's a beginning there's a middle and there's an end Mm -hmm. and it 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 seems so simple and maybe because it's so simple that gets glossed over a lot when people are like what makes a good story or what makes how do you tell a good joke and it's just like you just need three things you you need a beginning you need to be able to set something up you need to have a middle where something happens and you need an end that's a conclusion and as long as you've got that you've got it is a good story now will it make someone yeah. laugh or will it will it uh, be impactful no but at least it's got the structure to to have that potential and uh, and some
0: element of surprise or right. some unexpected turn is always
1: right the i one of our uh, guests a few months ago was a guy named Michael Nielsen i know him cuz i was um i i was in his documentary i was in the reenactment scenes he has a, a true crime doc- documentary called beyond human nature and we were just talking about storytelling and filmmaking and he was saying he was i can't remember the director's name but the, this director, he quoted him and said, You know, you, you never want, when you're writing a story, you never want it to be, and then this happened. You want to come up to, but you don't want and thens, you want but and adversity, and then figure out the way around the, the adversity. And, you know, a lot of people hear that and think fiction. But I'm trying to very much apply that to my comedy and to my storytelling of like, nobody wants to hear and then nobody wants to hear how everything went well, or how everything went wrong, wrong, you, you want to hear the adversity and how you overcame that adversity or, or whatever, some and thens are, it seem un, unavoidable. Sure. Um but yeah, I I like the butt. <laughs> I like big butts and I cannot lie, Jim. <laughs> Sorry, I got off I got off animation there. I love the way that you've incorporated it into like your TikTok videos and, and things like that. Like I shared the one of the you talking about <laughs> thinking of your cat as he walks across your room and ignores you as yeah. a waiter that you can't get it the attention and you have the cat like I've always thought of because we you know we produce TikTok videos for Story Slam of good moments from stories, and I've always thought, man, if I could figure out how to just animate like a cool like whatever they're talking about, it's it's a genius use of the skill set that you have. So and
0: go ahead. It's just it just takes so goddamn long. I know. That's
1: (laughs) that's that's the thing. I like I I have thought so many times. Like, listen, man, this is like. You're the type of person who, if you want to know how to do a creative thing and you're driven, you'll go learn how to do it. But then what stops me with this, that type of thing is like, yeah, but like animating something, even even 10 seconds of a cat walking across the screen, it takes goddamn forever. And I don't have time for that.
0: Yeah, that's that's the only hard. That's the hard part. I like your uh,
1: I like your Yule logs that you've done as well. The the videos. Oh, thanks. They're great. Yeah, Um, I try to
0: make that an annual thing.
1: A final question for you about uh, animation and comedy is: We've established they're both forms of storytelling. What's this? What's the difference between the the amount of satisfaction, the creative? You know, we 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 creative people we do this thing where like we we expend all this energy. I feel like we collect all this. I tell my wife sometimes I'm in the the data collection phase of being creative where. I don't have any output to do right now. I just need to bring in, you know, different comedians, different graphic designers. Like I just need to just take it all in and then I'll be able to put something out. And then hopefully when I've expended, when I've when I've spent all of that creative energy that I've saved up, hopefully the resulting satisfaction is a different type of currency that's worth more than than what I spent. Do you understand what I mean by all that? That's yeah. a lot. Sorry what what is the bigger payoff for you comedy animation writing books writing about cats and of
0: new york um it's really depend it's hard to say i i like stand up because of the like live the immediacy yeah and the immediacy but also it is i have like a i have a really strong introvert side that and a very strong like social need and they there's not a lot of gray area for me. So it's like, I like to go out, do two shows, see as many people as possible, or do a weekend on the road somewhere and then come back and like, not talk to anybody, but my wife for three days. Yep. Uh, Yep. So, (laughs) and, and, and so it's like, well, I need that stand up because I like that part. But then the introvert part of me with animation, because animation is just like, you hunched over a tablet mostly Mm -hmm. that's incredibly isolating and the opposite of what the stand-up is so it's like it's the two two of the main things that feed those parts of of my uh, personality or whatever you want to say so it's really hard to say yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's an unfair question, isn't it? it it's almost like, it's
1: almost like asking like, hey, which which does your body better, like the nutrients from an apple or the nutrients from a, from an asparagus? It's like, well, no, I love both. Yeah. And they're both good for my body, but that's just so and
0: different. If I could if I could answer that question, then I would have picked a a more narrow career path. <laughs> I, so I didn't want to get into that, and we won't. But I. I you know, as we're talking, I'm
1: just like, oh, for sure, we're both ADHD. We're just sitting here. Like the solution for anybody like us is is to just be able to go this, follow this path, go after this. But I'm just, I'm way too interested in all this stuff. Like I, I you know, I, I've got talents and I want to explore.
0: Yeah. And it's also like, I, because I would beat myself up. over. I mean, I still do it, but beat yourself up over that stuff a lot. And then you're also, but you also go like, well, you that's you're living life and experiencing things and being curious. So like, are you really gonna shut that, try and shut that off so right. you can say that but you're like, oh, well, I focused real quick so though.
1: Real quick is I could talk about this for an hour, another hour. But do you do you feel like though, whether creatively or not, or just as like a responsible human being, adult? Is, does there come a point though where we have to go, all right, like enough's enough. I can't. I can't have. Eighteen hundred different interests and 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 irons in the fire. Like you know, I've got all these irons in the fire because I'm just waiting for one of them to get hot enough to go. All right, that's the one. Th- that is the one that's going to support the family, and that's the one I'll go after. Is there just a certain point though where we have to go right, enough? Put have have two in the fire and and go be a normal human
0: being. I, yeah, I think it's okay to to be a little more disciplined about it, especially as you get older. Yeah, but that being said it's like it. the other choice is like you know how i like doing what i did where it was like i like animation i like doing stand-up let me animate some stand-up and then it's like whatever comes of that financially hopefully will come and i'll figure out how to capitalize on it to the best of my own abilities but you also have to consider, like, if you were the type of person who has these interests and stuff. Like, even if you try to pick one thing and hunker down and go after it, like, it, it ain't gonna work. Like, you're gonna, <laughs> you're just gonna be, you're, so, you're, you're so still gonna be you. <laughs> you're like, so... you're still gonna be you. So yeah. you're still gonna have to. You're then you're just gonna be the guy that's like sitting there thinking about doing this other thing, right? But you're like, nope, I've And you can certainly do that, but I don't know. It's also just like, I I knew that the military is what kind of taught me. Like you're something's wrong with you. (laughs) Don't (laughs) it's okay, but don't put yourself in this position again. Cause you know, the military is the military. It's like, you have one job, you better be good at it. All your, you you better shave every day. Your clothes better look right. You know, somebody's going to, Yell at you! I knew in
1: fourth grade that uh, high school sports and the military were both out because I was too passive rebellious. You tell me to do something, mm, nah, not unless it makes sense to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had I had a little bit of that too. Yeah. All right, Jim. Well, I've
1: I've really enjoyed our conversation. Um, people can find yeah, you. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you. Yeah, jimtwos.com. dot and I believe you're at gym Twos everywhere. Uh, yeah, as as those
0: j-i-m-t-e-w-s
1: and listeners you can always uh, check the show notes i'll have links to everything for jim there and you can also check the show notes for links to our stuff jim thank you so much for for talking to us about uh, a little bit about what you're doing and honestly listeners go go buy jim's albums go stream them if you're poor like me but uh, they are very funny it's oatmeal and i was in band they're they're both Mm -hmm. great albums jim thanks again so much thanks adam All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Madison Story Slam. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget, check those show notes. If you would like to be a performer at this year's Fete de Marquette by joining our stage for the Story Slams, it's going to be a great time. It's Thursday, July 13th. The theme that night is Party On. And then Sunday, July 16th, the last night of Fete, we are doing another slam. The theme that night is impact, and we'll be looking for stories about how community involvement and community festivals like FET make an impact on you and in your community, things of that nature. If you're looking for more general info about who we are, what we do, and all that jazz, I direct you to the website in the show notes there. You can reach out using the contact form. My name is Adam. It's always a pleasure to hear from every single one of you. And then also follow us on the socials. Those are linked in the show notes as well. We are on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. You know, I'm at an age where I would like to rid my entire life of all of those apps, but I do creative things that kind of necessitate a way to reach people. And those are the best ways to reach people these days. Until something else better comes along, I'll see you next time and uh, see you on the socials. And as always, I love you.